Um, well, as we talk about some international stuff across seas, uh, I want to bring it a little bit closer to home this morning. Um, has anyone had the thought, like maybe even this morning or this last week, or I don't know if you're amazing at this stuff, maybe in the last year, but like, man, relationships are hard. Like, they're just ch- like, I, like multiple times a day this runs through my mind of relationships are just really hard. And again, you might be amazing at them, and like, you should take me to coffee and explain all that you know. Um, or, like, maybe you're just not aware of how hard relationships are. Um, those are two things. But I think for the most part, like, we could all just look at relationships and be like, man, these things are hard. Are cl- the closest ones that we have, the ones that are kind of distant, the ones that, you know, we're unsure about. So I just want you to get someone in mind, somebody or maybe even a few people It could be, it's always a challenging relationship, or you can just think about challenging times in this relationship. Who is a challenging relationship for you? What's a relationship that you find yourself in that is hard? It can oftentimes be in turmoil. You're always just kind of unsettled and not really know what to do with. And it could be that same person all the time. It could be moments And then I want you to think about someone who, like, the relationship is just, for the most part, always great. Like, it's a really good relationship. And maybe it doesn't feel like it takes as much work. You don't have as many ups and downs. So with those two relationships in mind, what's the difference? Why does one seem to work a little bit better? Why does the other one seem to be a little bit harder? What is it about them? What is it about you in that relationship? What's the difference? Why do these relationships work and why do some of them not work? And then in all of that, whether this relationship's going well or not, do you want more? Like, do you want more in these relationships? I know the relationships that I have, even the ones I love and enjoy, like, I I want more. I want more depth. I want more connection. I want more meaning. I want more intimacy. Like, you just go on and on and on. I want more trust and just all of those things. And then especially for the ones that are hard. Like, I, I want and I long for more in my relationships. And so this morning, we're just going to continue in our series more. And what we're talking about, like this, how do we like do this thing called like the mashup of just our everyday life, our everyday relationships that we find ourselves in and out of, the relationships that we choose, the relationships we do not choose, and then what's God's spirit doing in them? How, how can God actually enter into the ordinary routines of relationships, of work, of how we spend our weekends, of our identity and who we're trying to be, and what is he doing that brings about more? And we're going to continue in the letter of Ephesians, where Paul, an early church planter and writer, is just writing back to this city of Ephesus, all the Christians that are in this city, this massive city with a bunch of different people, with a bunch of different worldviews, with a bunch of different religion going on. And he's writing to them and saying, hey, here's some things I have for you. Here's some things I believe are for you, for you as a community, and ultimately for all of people. And he starts off in this letter where we're going to pick up from, and he talks about this life that we have in Jesus, that that Jesus has come to make things new, that through his grace, through his passionate pursuit of loving us, 
He has come and he has called us to a new life. He has called us to be a new humanity is some of the language. That there are old ways in which we live and there are new ways in which we're being called to live as the people of God. And it feels and seems very countercultural. The ways that we operate in and out of our lives, the way we operate in our workplaces, all the relationships we have, oftentimes they're telling us something completely different than what Paul would be writing to us this morning. So this should feel a little bit discomforting. It actually should feel a little bit confronting in the way that we operate currently and how we view the more that we might want in our relationships. Because when I talk about more and I ask you what more do you want in your relationship, I know something comes to mind, the way it's going to come about. And I wonder how much of it is about you receiving in that relationship. I wonder how many of us automatically think, what can I do to change a relationship? How can I change inside of a relationship for that to be more? So we're going to pick up in 5.1, and he just got done talking about Jesus and this new humanity and, and God's grace and how he's shown up into our lives. And it says in 5.1, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So he starts off by saying, there's a new way of operating as a part of this new humanity because of what Jesus has done. And the main ethic, the way in which we live amongst each other, is love. And not just love is like the warm fuzzies and, you know, I love this, like, you know, those kind of things. I love chocolate cake. Like, there's a lot of different things that you love and we overuse the word in so many ways. But love is a concrete action and when we're actually seeking the well-being of other people before our own, not dependent on how they're treating us or how they are responding to us. And then he, he does this working of like, hey, here's what it looks like to become a new humanity, the things that you drop off and the, the things that you pick up. And this is as I'm becoming as an individual. And then he starts talking about relationships. And he says in verse 21, chapter 5, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The new person that you are becoming, the new humanity we are becoming, that ethic of love that we are to be living out, the action of love that we are to be living out looks like submission to one another. Anybody already out? Like, I, come on, submit, like, we don't submit to each other in our culture. Like, we, like, we overpower and we get people to serve. Like, there's so many different ways, but, like, I'm not just going to give my life up for someone else. Like, submission is, again, I think in every sense of it, pushes against who we are day in and day out. But Paul is saying, that operating in this new humanity and all of your race, it looks like to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, out of what Christ has done, out of what Christ has done for you, out of what Christ has called to you. It's not just to give yourself up, but it's actually because Christ has done this first. Christ has given himself up for us. And then he works out the rest of this in the household. So he grabs the most intimate relationships. He grabs marriage, he grabs parenting, and then we'll get to the third but these are the structures of a household a couple thousand years ago. And he says, hey, by the way, here's what it starts to look like to submit. I'm going to grab your most intimate relationships and break this down a little bit. And maybe you've been to a wedding and heard verse 22, wives, submit to your husband or submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. By itself, it can be problematic. And then he goes on in 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husband and wife, for a marriage to work, it is mutually coming under one another. 
Oftentimes we can look at it, there's, there's different ways, and you know, wives do the respect thing, and you know, husbands do the loving thing, and you know, they do this, and it's like, no, you both submit to each other. That a healthy marriage that is flourishing in the way that God has designed it is that we submit to one another in our marriage. And culturally, this is a power-shifting dynamic. Men held 99.99% of the power in their marriages. Women were oftentimes deemed as property. Men could have multiple marriages. The way that the law of marriage and divorce and things worked was oftentimes, pretty much always, in favor of the men. We go down and down and down the list. And Jesus says, hey, yeah, wives, respect your husbands. But husbands, you've got to love as Christ loves his church. As Christ died for his church, as Christ gave himself up for his church. And he is, the invitation is to shift the power dynamic in a way which there is mutually, it's benefiting to both parties. And then Paul shows his hand when he said this in 25, just as Christ loved the church. Just as Christ. He continues to use Christ as an example, which we'll see through, through a theme here. And what I want us to think about this morning is that finding more in our relationships is less about what am I not getting from someone else and more about what am I actively giving? Less about what am I receiving or not receiving and more about what am I giving or contributing to a relationship. He continues and he starts talking about kids and parents. And he rolls with some Old Testament stuff and he says in 6 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father, father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And again, it's like, duh, kids, respect your parents. How many like, kids have grown up with like, a parent quoting that scripture, being like, well, you, God said, you better respect me. Like, you, you need to follow what I say. But how often do they repeat the next verse in 25? Uh, sorry, in 6.4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. All of the power was in the father's hands. All of the power is in the parents' hands. But what he says is, parents, submit to your children. Give to your children. Raising kids is not just about you having this agenda for them and for their life and everything. You are actually raising God's child in a way in which we do that is to submit to them. He shifts the power dynamic again and he shows his hand here saying, obey in the Lord. Obey in the Lord. This is a, cultural, a culture of mutual submission and love. And what I'm doing in this is something that Jesus did again. That the obeying is coming because Christ. The thing that I'm submitting to is because of Christ. Finding more in our relationships is less about what am I not getting and more about what am I actively giving. For those of you in marriage and with children, are you submitting to one another? Are you submitting to your kids in the way that God would have you? And then this one increases the temperature in the room a little bit. Master and slave. And this is a generic household dynamic a couple thousand years ago. 
And now for us, when we hear the word slave, I'm sure that our most, the, the quickest thought would be the transatlantic slave trade that we know is an embarrassing and a tragic part of our history. We know this. Now, if we go thousands of years back, this is not known. This is very common practice because it's also different. There are similarities in what we would know and assign to slavery. It was also very different in the way they viewed this. It was very common practice. Oftentimes, families could even, and again, there's similarities and there's differences. Families could actually sell themselves into other families. It would be basically like a, a, a slavery by debt, which they need covering, and they will sell themselves into someone else, and that, that family or whoever it was would take them in, and a part of that would, they would want to care for and provide for because it's a mutually beneficial thing, but the, still the power dynamic was held by the master. And what Paul does, and he comes along, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. And right away, that's mind-blowing. Why would he be telling the slaves to obey their masters? Ownership of human rights is not good. It is not right. But Paul does not live in a democracy where we can have things like a William Wilberforce and a Martin Luther King Jr. and, and actually make forward progress. If you brought up an idea, you were bringing something against Caesar and Caesar would kill. Like, there, there was no, like, let's get a bunch of people together and go, like, press against the, you know, the steps of the, like, we can't do this. You very quickly walk out already as a small little minority of Jesus followers who are already ridiculed by culture. Like you cannot just go and like throw yourself or try to run away or overcome the house that is your master. And, but what Paul does is he said, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. He's not saying, obey them because they own you, obey them because they define you, obey them because, because, because. He's saying, because of Christ, because Christ owns you, because Christ has died for you, that Christ has bought you, that you can give away because you have been freely given to. That your life is not your own. And what you can do is you can live out this gospel story of what Jesus has done by loving and submitting and giving to those when it does not matter how they treat you. But he goes further. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. He essentially is telling the masters who have all the power and all the right in a culture where this is normal, to say, submit to your slaves. Submit to those that you own. Obey, respect, love, treat with dignity. Which also means that if he's writing this to a bunch of Christians, that means that in this room 2,000 years ago, there were slaves and there were masters sitting together. There were kids and there were parents sitting together. Bless you, stay on the slaves and masters. Like they're sitting in the same room. And he's not saying, let's change the way this operates. Let's change how you operate within the system. Let's change how you operate in the way of relationship because of the relationship that you have been given in Christ. You could spend your time changing the other person or in, the, in the context that you find yourself in. Or you can do the work of opening up yourself to be changed. 
This is the narrative that all of our relationships get run through. The lens at which we look at our relationships comes from a dynamic that says the power is not in receiving, the power is in giving away. Because that is what God has done in the grace and loving pursuit of Jesus. And a part of this, though, is so hard, because I don't know about you, but like in a lot of other things, I can be like, okay, I know the outcome here. Like I can remember it being in sales. Like if I do this, this, and this, if I submit to the system, I know I'm going to get this outcome. I'm going to get this bonus check. I'm going to get this commission. Like I, I know what's going to happen. But I don't know about you, but in relationships, it's so hard because I'm giving myself away to brokenness. I'm giving myself away to relationships that I feel like I may not be receiving in. I'm giving myself away to people who may not meet my expectations. I'm giving myself away to people who are going to let me down. They're going to operate with a different worldview inside of a different political system. You go on and on and on, and I feel like that is so much harder than the other things we submit to because we know there's going to be a benefit somewhere. But in relationships, we're like giving away, not knowing what's going to happen on the other end. How about you? But that's highly uncomfortable. But in this, I think Paul is trying to transcend the relationships as we know them. I have an idea of what these relationships look like and what will come or go. And I think he's saying, don't focus so much on the outcomes of the relationships. Focus on giving yourself away in the relationship. Now, this isn't, this isn't an invitation to enter into abuse, to stay into repeated and patterns of abuse, to uh, run back to repeated. I mean, there's, there's boundaries and there's limits to things. But I think 99% of our relationships operate in ways in which there's a give and a take. And I wonder how many of relationships this morning that you're finding challenges in, you're more often asking the question of, what am I getting out of this? Rather than, what am I giving to this. Finding more in our relationships is less about what I'm not getting and more about what am I actively giving. See, it's here that we give parents who have let us down. It's here that we give to the coworker who abuses their power, the spouse who can't meet my expectations, the child who lacks discipline and respect, the neighbor that so on and so forth the lifestyle that this person lives within this context, the way that our neighborhood, our city operates. I mean, you go down and down the list. So what does it look like for you to enter into these relationships knowing that you are loved by Jesus? That he has done the same for you. In some ways, what we can see is reckless. God had so much intention before you even had an idea of what it looks like to give into a relationship, completely gives himself away and invites us into a new humanity, a way to operate that brings restoration and healing to a broken and hurting world. And it's hard, though, because there's not oftentimes a playbook for this. I can remember if I think back to my, my sales role with a large company, they essentially hand you this thing that says, if you make this many calls, if you knock on this many doors, if you have this many meetings, blah, 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 you go down the list, you will have this outcome. And I remember a year in finding success and I'm doing the things, I'm, I'm rocking through the playbook and like a year in, I remember one of, the, one of the employees is like, yeah, I'm usually home by like, you know, two o'clock. So whenever we do those calls at four, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dang, you're like, you, but you spend your time at home in the afternoon? Like, but how do you canvas? How do you like, go knock on doors? How are you doing appointments? Blah, blah, blah. 
And it was easy to know if you're achieving or not because there would be a result on the other end if you had a commission check at the end of the, at the, end of the month. But it was easy because it was a playbook. And it said, here you go, follow these things. If you just do this, 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 and this, you will have an outcome that's going to eventually benefit you. But that's not the case with relationships, is it? That we can do this, this, and this, and this never happens. And this actually got worse, and this didn't help me. And why am I, why am I doing this? But Paul does something here that is just brilliant in how he writes. If we go back to where he told us to submit to one another, as he was talking about what it looks like to be a new humanity, a people of God coming together from so many differences, he says in chapter 5, verses 18, the second half to 20, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There he goes again. It is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we submit. But it is in the name, Lord Jesus Christ, that we do a work of opening ourselves up to God's Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but I cannot continue to muster the patience and the strength and the self-control and the kindness for all of my relationships us to flourish. I run out. I run out quicker than I probably should a lot of times. I, I'm just like so dry and depleted and like, man, this relationship sucks and like, I don't know what else to do. And like so quickly, everything just kind of just crumbles in on me because I cannot do it. But the invitation is that we be filled with the Spirit. He gives us a playbook here. He gives us three things in this. One, songs, hymns from the Spirit. That we are to sing together, that we are a collective of people. And thousands of years ago, what they would have used, they would have used the Psalms. They would have looked at the, the Old Testament, the prayers, the songs, the laments, the praises. And they would, they would come together and they would sing those. They would also have hymns. So these would be the things that the church is producing. And then I think from the Spirit would be the utterances of God speaking through you. But what would happen in this is they would be looking back and it repeatedly as a collective group of people, they would be saying things like God is faithful, God is good, God is compassionate, God is all loving, God's kingdom is established in overall things. And as they come together and they sing those things, they are being transformed with that and then they can speak that to one another. They can come together knowing that God is so much bigger than just the little aspects of you and me, and that he wants to be in them, that he wants to participate in them. And then he says, sing and make music from your own heart. What, what are the times that you are spending for God to stir these things up inside you? Because when you're singing from your own heart, you are both vocalizing, but you're also living it, that your life is actually starting to look like the things that we're saying about God together. That if he is compassionate, why can't I be compassionate? That if he is all loving, can I accept that love and live it out? If he is merciful, can I continue to give mercy? You go on and on and on. God, I trust in the faithfulness of who you say you are. Though I don't understand these circumstances, though I don't think I can get through this next piece, God, you are faithful. Do we have time where we're allowing God to stir these utterances in our life that help us enter back into relationships? And then he says, always give thanks. I mean, psychologists will affirm this over and over again. If we have a practice of gratitude, it actually changes who we are. It changes how we operate. When my relationships are going horrible, I can actually look past them and say, man, I'm still so thankful for my wife. I'm still so thankful for my kids. And if I can do that over and over, the thankfulness of what God is doing in them, the thankfulness of who God has created them to be releases me from it so I can just give because that's all God has asked me to do in the relationship. 
Not to fix, not to change, not to control, but to give away. And I think it's this, that to find more in your relationships is to create space for God to work in your relationships. That's what we're called to do here. It's to create space for God to work in you giving yourself away. And I know, I know, I know. But like, at what point do I stop giving myself away? What if they're not giving? I know, I know there's so many questions like that. And I think that will be forever. But he's not calling you to figure this out. Paul's not writing us to tell, hey, figure out when you're going to get yours. He's saying, give yourself away. So I wonder this morning, as you think about your relationships and the ways you want more, is the issue with your relationships or is the issue with your relationship with your creator? Are you singing hymns? Are you letting God stir things up inside of you? Are you thankful for everything that you have been given? So many other things, but Paul gives us this short playbook here. And here's the invitation this morning. Um, LJ and Daniel, we'll move into ministry time from here. I just got a few, and it's right off of Paul's playbook here. Gather consistently. We don't just get in this building to get in it. We, we, we're not just trying to become this thing that like shows up on Sundays and like we smile and drink coffee and you know we might read the lyrics as LJ and Daniel lead us. And like there's so much more that God wants to do in and through a community that is worshiping him together. Because just like in the one-on-one relationships that we've been talking about, when we come in here and we stand and we sing and we praise and we're declaring who God is and, and what he has for us, it is actually doing a work of transforming us as a community. That it is creating space for God to work amongst us. We're not just singing songs when we go, in, go into this time. We are opening ourselves to the spirit of God to do more with anything that we could ever do on our own. Next one, spiritual direction. The idea of the song coming out of our own heart. I have a spiritual director who I meet with monthly that is like my genie in a bottle. Like I don't know where I would be without him after meeting for a little over a year now every single month. And what he does, it's like a counselor or coach who is helping me see and understand what God might be up to, both in my life and the lives around. I don't know how I would be helping us move towards God without a spiritual director. Maybe you need a spiritual director in your life. If that's you, I have a list. And I will send you them and you can call and you can find. I mean, meet with someone once a month who is drawing the things out that is creating space for you to see what God might be doing in your life and the lives around you. And then third, a rhythm of gratitude. Are we creating space to be thankful? I mean, there's so many ways you can go about this, but what does it look like just to start your day with like, God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Like if you said that 30 days consistently before picking up your phone, I wonder what would come from that alone. I mean, you don't have to go on some massive, like, six-page journal every day. Like, God, thank you for life. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And then enter into the rest of your day. What would it look like to try that on? Just a rhythm of gratitude. And then last one, not up here. I, like, this is what I enjoy spending time in in my life in so many ways. Like, my whole list of things I really enjoy. This is one of them. Like, helping navigate relational dynamics and the, the, the situations that you find yourself in situations I find myself in. Like, I have people that I go to when I'm navigating relational dynamics. But, like, let's grab coffee. 
Let's chat. Let's work through it because it matters so much. It matters so much that God has demonstrated by completely giving himself away in what seems reckless to us so that we could all then give ourselves away into the relationships and see the transformation of God's spirit work amongst it. I don't know about you, but man, I think so much healing comes in our city from this. So much healing. But it has to start here. It has to start here. So why don't we stand?